Welcome to Doing a World of Good, a podcast from the American Institute of Chemical Engineers and generously supported by Raj and Kamla Gupta, shining the light on the positive works of our members and supporters. I'm your host, Bob Norp. And today we're pleased to have with us three amazing women from the American Institute of Chemical Engineers, all of whom are active in the Institute's Minority Affairs Committee. First up, we have Dr. Gilda Barabino, who is the Dean and Berg Professor at the Grove School of Engineering at the City College of New York, as well as President of the American Institute of Medical and Biological Engineering. Now, next up, we have Dr. Christine Grant, who is the Associate Dean of Faculty Advancement in the College of Engineering at NC State University, where she is also a professor of chemical engineering. And last but not least, we have Dr. Paula Hammond, who is the David H. Koch Chair Professor of Engineering at MIT and is the head of the Department of Chemical Engineering there. And of course, ladies, I could go on and on with the credentials for all of you, but if we did that, we wouldn't have time for a show. So let me just take this moment to say welcome to the program. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Now, before I get started and get into some of the fascinating work that each of you is involved in individually, I wanted to start by talking about the work that you do collectively, namely your involvement with the Minority Affairs Committee, this being an American Institute of Chemical Engineering show, we want to address that first. Now, while the mission might be obvious, a lot of the committee's work might actually surprise individuals out there in the audience. So I know your involvement is at different levels, but what are the just a few of the initiatives that each of you is most proud of in helping to advance? And I'm going to start with Gilda. What, What would you say is probably your most proudest achievement in being involved with this? So my most proudest achievement is the Minority Faculty Forum, which is a uh, formal subcommittee of the Minority Affairs Committee. And to illustrate why I'm so proud of it, I have to tell you a little bit about how it evolved. The Minority Affairs Committee uh, served as a beacon, actually, for many of us to come together um, to network, to find each other. Uh, The ones of us who were doing so, who were faculty members, quickly found that our needs and how we progressed in the profession was a bit different than if you were coming from an industry background, for example. So we came together collectively and founded the Minority Faculty Forum, which allowed us to have a vehicle, a platform to uh, network specifically amongst ourselves as uh, faculty members to share common experiences, to help. Um, support one another, and not just for our own uh, careers, but also how we might be able to support aspiring faculty. Is that so how that, you? Is that how you three met? Was was it via this um, particular initiative, or is this something that you you you've had a longer history together? <laughs> oh, we have yeah. a longer history. It's a long Much history. longer history. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is Christine. Myself and Paul actually were in graduate school together at Georgia Institute of Technology. She was working on her master's degree, and I was working on my Ph.D., so we met way, way back a long time ago in, in graduate school, and Gilda and I have an interesting history as well. Gilda was a graduate student at Rice University when I was an undergraduate, and I went there to visit, and uh, that's actually a whole other story, right, Gilda? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, there's a, the, I went to visit uh, Rice University, and Gilda was my host. 
So she was a graduate student and I was an undergraduate student looking at graduate school. So we've known each other for a long time, all of us. Well, since That's right. And Gilda and I met when uh, uh, I was just getting started as a faculty member at MIT. And, and Gilda, uh, I think, I, I can't remember how this happened, reached out. We found each other because she was uh, in her early uh, career at Northeastern. And we were so thrilled to find each other. We started meeting and connecting. It uh, sounds right to me like Gilda is the glue that holds you all together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the, the other thing that, that brought us together was the National Organization of Black Chemists and Chemical Engineers, or NOBACHE. And so we would go to that conference. I remember seeing Gilda at that conference in um, Philadelphia, I think it was. And it was. Gilda had been working in industry. And I think you had just transitioned back to being a faculty member or something, and we reconnected. So I met her a long time ago, and then we reconnected, I believe, when we were both faculty members, or maybe she was still at Roman Haas, I can't remember. But there were organizations and meetings that were going on that we would see each other at periodically. That's right. Now, each of you has chosen an educational setting in which to apply your, your talents. Why such a focus on training engineering students as opposed to entering the commercial sector? I know... Christine, you mentioned that it's different than the industry. I think it was you who mentioned that it's different than coming from an industrial background. What, what's your, why is it that you chose this particular career profession? Well, the interesting thing is that both my parents were teachers. So my father was a music teacher, still is teaching music. My mother was a science teacher. So I grew up doing science experiments as a little tiny girl. And uh, I, I just Did knew you blow that stuff up? Liked... Did you blow stuff up? Come on, tell me that. <laughs> no, I didn't blow stuff up. No, I, they didn't give me that kind of stuff. I always wanted a chemistry set and I never got that. But I did build things. My, my father, we had, I had a sister and there were no boys. And so my father used to do things with us like uh, working on his boat or, or building things. And so we did a lot of different crafty kinds of things together. So I grew up in a family of, of teachers. And so education was not uh, far-fetched for me. And then being mentored and advised by people through the organizations to go on to graduate school and pursue a graduate degree, I wanted to do more of the same. I did a lot of mentoring of undergraduate and graduate students when I was a graduate student at Georgia Tech. And I wanted to remain in that environment and help students. And that's part of the reason I became a professor uh, at NC State. And I've been here for almost 30 years now. Well, that's pretty inspiring. Paula, what about you? Why, why education? Why did you choose to go into this area of chemical engineering? Well, one of the things that got me excited about being being a professor was the ability to uh, design and create your own project. I had, uh, after I just got out of my bachelor's degree, taken on a job as a process engineer. And I did that for two years, but I really wanted to be able to change the processes that I was working on and to implement new ideas and concepts. And to do that, I thought, well, I need to have some graduate education. Uh, I was getting my master's at Georgia Tech. And as soon as I got back on a campus again and saw the activity and uh, what is going on in the world of research, um, I was excited by the fact that you could actually create and design an idea of your own. And as long as you can convince somebody to fund you, 
then you can actually make it real. That's so always that the really... trick. That's always the trick. I mean, it's just like you, 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 you talk about the, the opportunities that are available in chemical engineering, but it always comes down to you also need to be a good salesperson, don't you? <laughs> yes. You need to be a good salesperson. But the other thing that's sort of unique about the academic environment is that you can apply your ideas in one area, but then if you see an opportunity in an entirely different field, you can move toward that field uh, as long as you can, again, sort of get uh, collaborators and, uh, and people to uh, fund you. And I, that's something that has happened over time for me is going from energy to biomedical field, which I think would have been more difficult in a, a more traditional industrial environment. Now, Gilda, what, what would you add to this conversation? I mean, it's just like, is it more of the, the, the same inspirations or is something unique about your story that drew you to the educational environment? So absolutely more the same. But what I would add to it uh, in terms of my own background, my father was in the military and I was sort of first generation college student, so to speak. My father uh, was going to college at the same time as his oldest two kids were going to college. So after he retired from the military, he was working on a bachelor's degree. Wow, that's pretty impressive. (laughs) Yeah, it, it was as he was working full time to raise a family and going to school. And I started out as a chemistry major, pre-med at that, and realized that um, I did not necessarily want to be a clinician. And what drew me to chemical engineering at the graduate level is that I was interested in a field where I could use the principles in an engineering discipline to solve a problem in medicine. And I was particularly interested in a problem that disproportionately affected African-Americans because I wanted to give back to my community And I studied the abnormal blood flow and sickle cell disease using fluid mechanical principles from chemical engineering. And so as Paula and um, Christine have said, our field is is interdisciplinary. It's diverse by nature. And in an academic environment, there's so many things that you can do uh, in terms of what it is your goals are and, and, the, and what you'd like to accomplish and how you'd like to impact the broader community. Yeah, let's, let's probe on that a little bit more with you, Gilda, because, you know, the educational setting shapes <clears throat> the way you approach problems. It, and I, I'd like to learn a little bit more about how the educational setting shaped the way you've approached chemical engineering problems and how it's shaped the direction of the types of research that you've chosen to do. Well, one of the uh, major drivers that I've had is how do we close the gaps in terms of the inequities that we have uh, in education and health and well-being? And I saw chemical engineering in particular as a field where I could do that and, um, and, and also help students and others who are in our field, other practitioners, see this, the, the ways that we could actually impact society. And that's been one of the uh, biggest drivers throughout my career. Christine, uh, how about you? I mean, it's just like, obviously, when you're working in the educational setting, you have different requirements, different um, drivers on your, on your research and the direction of uh, the types of things that you're going to study and investigate. How has the educational setting kind of freed you up as opposed to the industrial setting in terms of the types of research that you've chosen to do for your career? Well, my interest was always in environmental engineering and environmental issues. I I was actually part of a 
minority introduction to engineering program when I was in high school at uh, UMass Amherst and also Northeastern University. And I found my love of engineering. I, I pushed the chemistry with engineering and got chemical engineering. That's how I actually ended up going into chemical engineering. And when I went to graduate school and then when I was early on in my career, I did work on problems that were related to the environment. So I was looking at surface and interfacial science and, and how you could do cleaning or decontamination processes with uh, and produce less waste. And so some of the activities actually that I did in AICHE early in my career as a faculty member had to do with the environmental division where I did a lot of programming of sessions and, and workshops and different things there. And that's how I actually got really pulled into AICHE in the programming manner as opposed to just um, doing the service aspects of, of AICHE, both of which are very important. So I was very interested in that. And the other thing I wanted to add was being on a university campus is really refreshing because each year you get to reset at some level. There are new students coming in. And of course, the unfortunate thing is that the students stay the same age, but you continue to get older. So, <laughs> so the, gap, the gap gets bigger. But there is a freshness that comes every fall when we welcome our new students, our new graduate students, our new undergraduates. And then being a faculty member is like having your own company. You get to, as, as Paula was saying, you get to decide what area you're going to go into. And if you can find the funding, uh, then you can do it. And the other thing I wanted to mention is I think it's really interesting that the three of us actually have all gone into leadership roles. And so we have uh, moved from the, the traditional faculty roles to taking a leadership role and working with the institution to try to craft the, the different directions that the faculty and the students will go. Yeah, that that's that's very true. I mean, it's just like you're all three of you are in, in top-level leadership program, um, top-level leadership of your respective institutions and, um, and leaders in the community as a, at large. So, I mean, that's very impressive and very much a part of the, the story that you have to offer. Um, Paula, I want to probe a little bit deeper about the boundaries of chemical engineering. You know, it's just like each of you have pushed the boundaries of chemical engineering in your own way. What do you each find to be key social needs that chemical engineering is particularly good at addressing? What, what kind of things are you finding chemical engineering to be particularly adept at addressing in terms of improving society as a lar at large and what kind of research areas are you currently focusing on because of that? All right. I will start with the first part of your question. Uh, chemical engineering is an incredibly broad area and it enables people to use uh, a, a great understanding on the molecular level, uh, but to expand that knowledge out to um, multi-scale levels. Uh, both with respect to designing a material system or to um, designing a process. And for that reason, chemical engineering, I truly believe, plays a role in addressing almost every societal problem with respect to technology, um, all health technologies, both from uh, detection of disease and monitoring of disease to um, treatment, uh, energy, and uh, all of the alternative energy approaches that are being developed, including a number of the electrochemical engineering areas, such as batteries, fuel cells, um, and a range of uh, use of solar and wind. Um, 
in the environment. Christine uh, very uh, nicely described her own uh, interest in this area. Chemical engineers have a huge role in addressing environmental um, remediation and the design of processes and products that uh, better our environmental outcome in the long run. In the areas that I find really interesting, even in uh, water and food and uh, having uh, a supply of clean water around the world and in addressing uh, some of the needs in uh, a range of different countries, including developing countries, and maintaining a strong uh, food supply, chemical engineers play a role. In fact, I had this uh, really eye-opening experience several years ago in which a group of, of engineers, including a number of chemical engineers, uh, were a part of a project in which we went to uh, both East and West Africa and looked at the harvest and how nanotechnologies and other kinds of uh, uh, chemical and molecular technologies might be able to help farmers bring their food to harvest. So there's a broad range. That was, you asked a double, a two-part question. Yeah, I did. But before we go, but before we go on, I do want to yeah. uh, you know, kind of frame what you just said, because I think um, most of the listeners out there would probably already know this, would already know that chemical engineering uh, affects so many other aspects of society um, other than just the flow of chemicals. Uh, you know, but I, for young students out there or people who are thinking about pursuing a career in chemical engineering, I think that's pretty mind blowing what you're what you're saying here. The fact that it's uh, it's it's all about process and you can apply processes to just about anything that involves technology. That's that's a wide open field of opportunity for for students looking to get into the field right now. Right. Absolutely. And it's about process and understanding uh, how how systems work from the molecule scale, but also being able to understand how they work on larger length scales. Being able to do that is extremely powerful. Chemical engineers are given a very unique set of tools to be able to address those kinds of problems. And uh, they include everything from, uh, you know, using computation to model a system uh, to actually generating or deriving one. And I've seen people uh, in the chemical engineering field who have, created, for example, vaccine, build a vaccine on demand, uh, stations that can uh, be distributed around the world. Um, there are those who have used computation to predict um, what kinds of reactions are possible and might be used to generate new chemicals, including new drugs, for example. So one of the things I wanted to add is that AICHE has done a really good job of pivoting as those changes have occurred. So Paula did a really good job of talking about where we are now. I know that when I was a graduate student at Georgia Tech, I took a graduate level course on distillation. The entire course was on distillation. Well, they don't even offer that course anymore because the field has evolved so uh, rapidly and so in such a broad manner that distillation is just one part of what we do. Chemical engineering is more than uh, petrochemicals and 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 food processes. It's the nanotech. It's the biotech. And I believe that AICHE has done a good job of pivoting in terms of their programming, developing new divisions, developing new entities within the organization to make that happen. And that then translates actually into the training that our students get. So there are courses and options and tracks that we have at different institutions that have evolved 
with the evolving field. And I believe that AICHG provides a good forum for people to have that discussion to see where we need to go with regards to the technologies, where we can be um, useful and how we need to train our students to prepare for that new world of technology and chemical engineers can work in that realm. They also, uh, our, our department has faculty in it from chemistry and physics and electrical engineering. And so they are working on these technologies. However, their original training may not have been in chemical engineering. So there's a lot of interdisciplinary things that are going on within the field as well. Give me some examples. I would love to get some more specific examples of the types of work that you're doing that's applying. Like, give, I just want to know what kind of interesting projects you're working on right now um, as individuals that kind of apply some of these principles and maybe are taking you to surprising places that people wouldn't necessarily expect. Uh, anybody want to go first? Well, I have a research example that builds on what both Paul and Christine just uh, described in terms of the field of chemical engineering and AICHE's role. So one area of research in, in my lab is we do uh, tissue engineering and orthopedic tissue engineering in particular, where we are developing um, clinically relevant uh, tissue constructs for replacement uh, in the laboratory. And, and we cultivate these uh, tissue constructs in bio bioreactors that we try to understand the fluid mechanical environment in the reactors that then impact the development and um, of, the, of these tissues and the properties of the tissues. Well, then you actually have these engineered tissues that can be used for replacement for injury. Um, and there's a lot that people don't necessarily understand that chemical engineers would be involved in in that. But to give an example of AICHE's role, this is a burgeoning field. And now AICHE has created a section on regenerative engineering. And many of our members who are working in these fields now have a particular um, mechanism in a division that they can work closely with other chemical engineers with similar research interests. So there's, there's so many opportunities that the, the um, professional society uh, affords people both with the work that they're doing at the research level professional development, socialization, and broadening the field to, to the, um, just to get it out there to a broader audience. Now, I would say that uh, this was some of the things that we're talking about were very intentional by the organization. There were several years ago, I was on the board of directors and we were losing members and we were having conversations about how to maintain the relevancy of AICAG because there were members who were going to the Biomedical Engineering Society or the Materials Research Society conferences instead of coming to AICAG. And so I believe there was a really intentional um, drive to make sure that we were relevant to the chemical engineers like Gilda was talking about who were doing work in these new areas as well. And Paula, any uh, specific research examples that can maybe illustrate some of the points that you were making earlier? Sure. In my lab, we actually work on nanoparticles that are designed to, um, to address cancer. And in fact, we have been using polymeric materials to generate these nanoparticles. To be able to do so, you have to first synthesize a polymeric system that will assemble so that it can contain a drug molecule, 
Uh, it needs to be able to go through the bloodstream without uh, being eliminated by the body, and it needs to target tumors uh, very effectively. In our case, we're working with systems that are unique in that they can incorporate a therapeutic drug, like a chemotherapy drug, but can also incorporate within the same particle um, a silencing RNA, which is a molecule which can turn off a gene that makes the cancer survive chemotherapy. So we're actually delivering this one-two punch within a single nanoparticle. Now, all of this design and synthesis uh, requires a knowledge of molecules, but the, to be able to understand what happens when you inject these nanoparticles requires a chemical engineering uh, sense of, of uh, both the, uh, not only the fluid mechanics, but also what's happening on the cellular level. It requires understanding the body as a system. And I really appreciate the fact that I have chemical engineers uh, who work with me on these problems and can uh, actually use both a quantitative sense of what's going on in this system, the body, and how that can impact the design of the nanoparticle and the release of the drugs that has to occur within uh, the tissue, which includes uh, looking at rates of diffusion, uh, in some cases involves reaction and diffusion in these systems, and uh, in fact is a very interesting and complex but important uh, aspect of the work that we do. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, uh, it's just like I've talked with a number of chemical engineers who are doing work in that particular area, but that's that's really impressive, and it's very concise explanation of the involvement of chemical engineering in this entire process of doing research to eventually cure cancer. That's, that's, that's amazing. Um, let me ask, I'm going to go to Christine next on this question. I mean, how is the Institute and the Minorities Affairs Committee in particular helping to ensure that this kind of work can progress and succeed? Because this is, this is obviously impressive work that you all are involved with in a number of different areas. What are you doing to make sure that this can continue? Well, I would, I would say that uh, there are the, the aspects of our work that we do that have to do with the technical, that have to do with the teaching and have to do with raising money and, and things like that. I think what the Minority Affairs Committee allows us to do is to focus on broadening participation and making sure that we engage uh, folks in this field from a, a lot of different backgrounds. And that is the primary goal of the Minority Affairs Committee. What I would say in terms of my activities with the Minority Affairs Committee of late, it's mainly been on the a foundational side, working on uh, creating a scholarship or a, a fund that will help to um, fund scholarships, the Henry Brown um fund, I guess you would call it, to fund scholarships. So making sure that there's a legacy of what we're doing so that we won't have to every year think about, okay, how are we going to raise money? How are we going to raise money uh, to do the things that we're doing? Thinking about it from a legacy perspective, because I believe that there are a number of folks who have been supported by the activities and the mission of the Minority Affairs Committee over the years who are now at different types of positions in the academy and in industry and are in a position to actually give back to support and sustain some of the programs that we've been doing over the years in conjunction with the Institute, of course. 
And uh, this last question is for all of you. Uh, in just a sentence or two, can you leave the audience with a piece of advice or some kind of thing that you would want them to remember you by in terms of the, the work that you're doing? Uh, Gilda, any thoughts? Yeah, I would like to say that we should all realize that we are the shepherds of our profession. We're responsible for who's in, who practices, and the impact that our profession has. And I would encourage everyone to take advantage of all that AICHE has to offer to fully engage with the society and do their part in shepherding our profession. Paula? I would say to believe in your own personal mission and feed it and grow it, uh, that chemical engineering is a field in which you can uh, achieve a huge amount uh, with respect to giving to others and creating solutions for the greater world. But while doing that, remember that there are others who are supporting you and uh, will always be there even when things go wrong. And I think Mac uh, certainly uh, to me has been that community that has always been there to support um, ourselves and, and to, uh, and to help uh, keep us going, even in difficult times. And Christine, any last thoughts? I would say that the concept of broadening participation in the field is not just for the folks who look like they need to have more people. In other words, the diversity uh, construct in terms of making the field more diverse is not just the responsibility of the folks who are the diverse folks, right? So in other words, African-Americans are not responsible for making sure that the field is diverse in terms of African-Americans. It's something that we all need to work together on. And there are ways to do that with mentoring and coaching. Minority Affairs Committee is just one way within this organization. However, we all have places where we live and work and we can do things in our own institutions to make a difference, to make sure that our field is diverse as, is as, diverse as possible. Well, this has been an inspiring conversation, ladies. I almost hate to make it go away at this point, but thank you for spending time with us. Uh, Gilda, Christine, Paula. Our thank you. Our guests, thank you so much. Oh, you're thank welcome. You. You're welcome. Our guests today have been Dr. Gilda Barabino, Dr. Christine Grant, and Dr. Paula Hammond. To find out more about the work with the American Institute of Chemical Engineers that they're doing, Visit AICHE.org and search for the Minority Affairs Committee. And for more details about the Doing a World of Good program, visit doingaworldofgood.org. And that does it for this episode of Doing a World of Good. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, search for us in your favorite podcast directory or visit doingaworldofgood.org. On behalf of everyone at the American Institute of Chemical Engineers, I'm Bob Norp. Thanks for listening. Thank you.